we should read our Bibles. As men digging for buried treasure. When the Most High gave to the nations their inheritance, when he divided mankind, he fixed the borders of peoples according to the number of the sons of God. In those days, and for some time after, giant Nephilites lived on the earth. For whenever the sons of God had intercourse with women, they gave birth to children who became the heroes and famous warriors of ancient times. Take no part in the fruitless deeds of darkness, but yet expose them. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Life's a garden, man. You gotta dig it. Hello fellow treasure hunters, welcome to the excavation site, I'm Justin, alongside me we got Ben, Stephen, and Chad, we'll be your guides on this excursion, hope you brought your shovel and your compass, cause we got the map, let's dig. Hello again all my local guys and gals and long distance pals, how's it going? I'm good my friend, I'm good. So we're back for uh... Part two of the Battle of the Gods. Love it. I tell you, just seeing that spiritual warfare, seeing the the examples of it through the Bible, and then, like I said, I'm looking forward to when we take the next step and 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 show how this is being demonstrated throughout the world around us right now. And people don't see it, they don't realize it, but my gosh, the real battle right now is spiritual. It is not physical. It is not. It's not what everybody thinks is going on. We, it's there's some real spiritual warfare going on right now. Oh yeah. Uh, so now we've uh, we've come out of Exodus. Uh, Pharaoh's finally said, "Get out of here," and uh, they've started their journey. Uh, but before I uh, go into that, a little background. I'm gonna you know just like any good uh, you know fight announcer, he gives you. A, the, the stats, the name, and, and the weight of the competitors involved in, in the, the battle before the bell sounds. So I'm going to give you a little background on the, this uh, four-way uh, tag team match that's about to happen at the Red Sea. Uh, in the one corner, we have uh, Bale, uh, which is also known as Bale Set, you know, Set with the Egyptians, and uh, another deity called Reshef. So Reshef, he was the uh, the personal deity of the Pharaoh uh, during the plague. You know, Reshef, he was a, a plague god. You know, he was a protector of chariot warriors. You know, he's often depicted with a, in a chariot with his bow and his plague arrows. You know, later on, he became uh, Nergal to Babylonian Arcadia. He was also known as, you know, the gatekeeper of the underworld. And uh, I've been pulling up some references on... Uh, uh, De- Dictionary of Demons and Deities on, on my logo software. Uh, it says here, it says, uh, in, some, in some stella of the New Kingdom, Reshef is also depicted in the attitude of the Pharaoh striking his enemies, an element which suggests that the so-called smiting god of the Syrian uh, tradition is a representation of our deity. Traces, traces of the cult of Reshef are also found in Hittite uh, during the 8th century BCE, and the local king Panuma mentions the god as his dynastic deity. 
So there, you know, Reshef, the personal deity of the Pharaoh, you know, once again, he was a protector of the chariots, the chariot warriors, depicted with the bow and the plague arrows. Uh, next, you know, uh, Baal, he was the Canaanite storm god, and uh, he became king of the divine assembly. Isn't that funny how that's a cheap imitation of God's divine counsel, right? You know, after defeating Yom, you know, that's an agent of chaos, you know, a sea monster, like the, the equivalent to uh, the Hebrews' Leviathan, mm-hmm. you know, and Rahab you hear about in the Old Testament. You know, when the people of Canaan came down to Egypt during the time of the famine with Joseph, they brought their god with him. You know, in history, these people were known as the Hyksos. We touched on that just a little bit in the last episode. But then when they came down, they met this god called Set. You know, Set was the Egyptian storm god. Baal was the god of the sea, as Set was god of the wilderness slash desert. When the Canaanites brought Baal, they met this similar god, Set, of the Egyptians, so then they blended the two together, so then there you have uh, Baal set. So there you have uh, uh, the information and uh, the weigh-ins of the competitors of the tag team. What kind of tag team would you call this if you had to come up with a name? <laughs> Reshef and Baal. Uh, this, isn't like a, this isn't like one of those Benefer references. It's not really like that. You gotta... Well, I mean, I used to be a wrestling fan. Every good tag team has to have a name. Uh, well, I don't know. I, the Stormy Plague? I don't know. Chaos Arrows? I don't know. We'll think of that. We'll come back to that. they got to have a name. I'll, I'll, I'll do some The I'll Smash some Brothers? The Smash Brothers. You know, stealing from, uh, what was that, uh, Mighty Ducks? <laughs> the Smash Brothers. Anyway, uh, Exodus uh, chapter 14 says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Paharoth between Migdal and the sea in front of Baal-Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. So first off, you know, Paharoth, if uh, the original word and the root meanings and stuff you know, can mean mouth of caverns or place where the sedge grows or mouth of the canal. Now, Migdal is just another word for strong tower. You know, it's a military defense. So he has them go, you know, to Paharoth, which is, you know, either mouth of caverns or mouth of the canal. And at this canal... There is a strong defensive tower by the sea. But it also mentions another landmark, Baal Zephon. You know, Mount Zephon was the storm god Baal's holy mountain in modern-day Turkey. So why was there a temple to him on the northeast edge of Egypt? Archaeologists have found evidence of people who ruled the northern Egypt called the Hyksos, who were from the land of Canaan. You know, I've already mentioned all that. Uh, but what's funny is, is, you know, of course the Egyptians, they weren't proud of this. And they tried to have part of their history just basically whitewashed. But many artifacts survived retelling the story. You know, I'm sure that's not a, a part of their history that they were proud of. That, you know, foreigners came in and started ruling their country. They seen them as a threat. And just as, you know, I mentioned in the last episode... 
as Hitler was afraid of the Jewish people taking over his country, the Egyptians enslaved them. Uh, but what's funny is they're told, you know, uh, you know, just get out of here. You know, you've done all this damage. Just get out of here. And then they start traveling. They get a, you know, a day's journey in. And then God tells them, hey, just stop what you're doing. Set up camp. You know, they're supposed to be running for their lives pretty much. You know what I mean? So, you know, Baal was the storm god. Baal Zephon was the holy mountain where the divine assembly met. You know, this was... Uh, in your face spiritual battle you know God was telling them to set up and wait basically just so these guys can catch up he picked the, the battleground he set the stage and now he's telling them just wait you know and uh, Isaiah 51 uh, chapter 51 verse 9 mentions this account and here he uh, cut Rahab to pieces and pierced the dragon once again going back to the references of Baal becoming uh, king of the pantheon by defeating Yom, the chaos dragon. You know, the same thing. They're just, you know, retelling and mimicking the story in the account of Genesis. You know, Genesis said the spirit of God hovered over the waters. You know, the waters, the Yom. You know, I mean, it's kind of a play on words, but it was him subduing chaos mm -hmm. and doing it with ease. Mm -hmm. Baal and all these other entities you hear about had these great struggles. They had to get help from other gods or these uh, really uh, fancy uh, uh, clubs and things like this to defeat this monster where God just done it with ease. So he's just telling them, you know, just wait right here and, and see what happens. So when you go to verse 3, For Pharaoh will say to his people of Israel, They are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all of his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now, one thing I want to draw attention to is they got to the sea in front of and turned toward Baal-Zephon, you know. And it said that they were trapped between the sea and the wilderness. And like I said before, Set was the storm god over the wilderness and desert so basically they were trapped god god made it look like that they had them right where they wanted them they had the the desert the wilderness set on one side and the sea bail on the other and they were encamped in the middle waiting so it's kind of looking like a a two-on-one trapped scenario here I'm sure God did this as a, like we said, I'm sure God has a sense of humor. <laughs> oh. Uh, you know, make you know, it look like they got one. the deck stacked, you know. So, verse 5, it says, When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants has, was changed toward the people. And they said, What is this that we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready the chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all other chariots of Egypt with officers over them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and his army, and overtook them, encamped 
At the Sea by Piharoth in front of Baal Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there is no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we had said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. Another interesting note is the word salvation in the original language was Yeshua, the name of Jesus Christ. Hmm. So, you know, imagine, you know, fear not, stand firm, and see the Yeshua of the Lord. Okay? He says, uh, For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. And the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots, and his horsemen. So he's saying he'll get glory over Pharaoh, his host, his gods, and his chariots and horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. So this is going to be another strike on, on Reshef. Reshef is supposed to be the protector of the chariot warriors. Okay? And they also have them entrapped by the wilderness which Set rules over and by the sea which Baal rules over, okay? So verse 19, Then the angel of God, who was going before the host of Israel, moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. So, now, it's a two-on-two. Right? So you said that you had the uh, the presence of God that led the way. And it says that the angel of God was there with them. So both of them went to the back to hold off Pharaoh and his army. So the tag, you know, like I said earlier, I compared it to a tag team matchup. Hmm. You know? So. Now, what would God's tag team name be? Well, it's Jesus and God. Ah, that's what I mean. I don't know. Uh, I mean, game over productions. <laughs> <laughs> the Salvation Double Deuce or something. Yes, like that. Yeah, I something like that. that. Deuce is wild. Deuce is wild. <laughs> <laughs> it says, and there was a cloud, in the in darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. So it protected Israel, and held off the chariots of Pharaoh. Of Pharaoh. 
Verse 21, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night, and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. So a strong east wind divided the waters overnight. Baal was the storm god. Yahweh was beating him at his own game. Tell me that this wasn't a slap in the face while the Egyptians watched. All while facing Baal-Zephon, which was the temple of Baal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is Yahweh saying, okay, storm god, watch. <laughs> but basically, hold my beer. <laughs> <laughs> it's a southern term. Hold my beer and watch this. I think it's important and let's back up here for a second to verse 18 where you say that the the when my glory is displayed through them all of egypt will see my glory and know i'm the lord once again this is not a battle against the people of egypt like we talked about with the plagues this is showing that god is giving them a chance god is showing them who the one true god is and he's he's allowing them to witness this so they can they can serve the correct god and they can spread that word yeah so i think that's always it's just once again as we look through this it just there's so many different little um things when you're talking about bells bells um and 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 you're talking about with with bail and showing the that you know being right between set and bail there's so many little things and little clues and little hints that keep showing us that this is this is God putting these fallen angels, these deities, these these lowercase g gods in their place. It's it's not to harm the people. It's not to if they don't listen to them. Yeah, they they got tore up. But um, if this is this is about this is a divine battle. Yeah. And I think that's just, it, it just is something that when we've heard these stories before, it was always like, oh, those mean Egyptians, they just needed to let them go. It's their fault. And it's not what it was. This is so much deeper and so much more complex than that. The gods in control whispering in their ear and, and influencing them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, let's see, where was that? It says, uh, verse 22, And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. And I'd like to get into that just a little bit because Red Sea, you know, in Hebrew means, you know, the Sea of Reeds. You know, it's Yom Sefuf or Shefuf, something like that. Sorry if I butchered it. I probably did. Or Yom Suf, I think is what it is. But many scholars believe that the crossing was at the Reed Sea or Sea of Reeds, a much smaller and shallow body of water more north toward the main road from Egypt to Canaan which is the you know the same road that God told them to avoid he said at least in their fear that they turn back okay so the whole theory of you know being at the the sea of reeds and and all this stuff you know I mean it goes against what scripture says it said he led them out of the normal paths through the desert and wilderness because that was the main road where many uh you know pharaoh sent his army and everything else so that, that he sent them kind of like an alternate route that way they wouldn't be discouraged or, or feared or in fear but also because he had this planned also exactly okay so 
this t- but also by doing this and going with this it takes away the miracle of this event and doesn't follow scripture you know it says you know it says first off how silly how silly would it be to put a migdal which is a strong tower to defend against ships and a temple to Baal who defeated the great sea monster to become king of the pantheon next to a marsh yeah. Why would you need a MIGDAL, a strong tower to defend against ships and invasion in a marsh? And why would you erect a temple to a storm god who defeated a chaos monster of the sea next to a marsh? Yeah. And furthermore, besides that, it says that the waters were a wall to them on their right and on their left. You know, that's just uh, people trying to wrap their modern heads around something and make it and just robbing it of the miracle. And well, you're totally just neglecting what Scripture says in doing so also. And wait till we get to the part where the Egyptians follow him through because in a marsh, yeah, it, it wouldn't work out this way. Right. So verse 23, And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen. And in the morning, so now, let's remember, they traveled, then they encamped, right? So there's one day. Then the Pharaoh went after them, and it said the pillar of, you know, when they finally called up the pillar of uh, fire, you know, which was, you know, it says the angel of the Lord, you know, Jesus, or Christophany, you know, if you want to call it that, held them off. Moses held his staff out, and it said a strong east wind divided. And then the next morning is when they crossed on dry ground, right? So three days had passed. So it says, in the morning, watched the Lord and the the pillar of fire in the cloud look down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians then the Lord said to Moses stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians upon their chariots and upon their horsemen so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared and as the Egyptians fled into it the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea and the waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea not one of them remained so I told you in the last episode of a certain verse it was Exodus chapter 8 verse 26 to remember this what happened there Moses asked Pharaoh to travel into the wilderness for three days to make a sacrifice unto the Lord as he has asked him to do. Like I said, they traveled an entire day and camped and waited on the army. Then the, uh, the pillar of fire came, separated the, the army from uh, Moses and the Israelites. He divided the water and it says the next morning. So now we're at three days. Little did Pharaoh know when Moses was making his request 
that his 600-man army was going to be the sacrifice to the Lord. <laughs> That's nuts. <laughs> it's nuts. Uh, it's those things like we talk about, the correlations, the, the way that God works, the way that it's, it's, it's so profound and it's so beyond our understanding and that it needs, you know, it needs you need to dig in to, to see these things to find these things and that's why i love doing this is justin especially uh, doc brown over here starts <laughs> he, he drops some nuggets on me and blows me away every time we do this and i become uh, uh, as much a spectator as it's just it blows me away it's awesome we, we just keep learning so much the more we do this and it does it blows me away because stuff like this it's just, i mean god god speaks your love language you know I'm a inquisitive person, and the whys and stuff like that intrigue me. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I read these stories, and I believe them, you know. But when I find stuff like this, all these little nuggets and connecting the dots and gives me a whole lot better picture, it, it draws me closer to God and just makes me appreciate it more. I guess that's about the best way I could verbalize it. But, yeah, it's very, uh, very satisfying. Yes, 100%, yes. But uh, verse 28 says, The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. And all the host of Pharaoh had followed them into the sea. Not one of them had remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea. And the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Chapter 15, entitled The Song of Moses. When Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously, the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea the Lord is my strength and my song and he has came became my salvation there's that word again he has become my Yahweh I mean I'm sorry Yeshua my Yeshua Yeah. yeah this is my God I will praise him my father's God and I will exalt him the Lord is a man of war and the Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he has cast into the sea. And his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. And what's uh, interesting here is the word depths is the Hebrew word to home, which is another cognate uh, to uh, another chaos dragon, Tiamat. Nice little tidbit, you know, connector there. Uh, Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. The right hand, you know, once again referring to to Jesus Christ, Yeshua. He's at the right hand of the Father, the Mm -hmm. right hand, the, the arm of action, the strong hand. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. Now, he's not just talking about Pharaoh and his men. Once again, we're, we're talking about a battle of the gods here. You send out your fury. It consumes them like stubble. 
At a blast of your nostrils, the waters pile up. The flood stood up in a heap. There's that word again, the deeps, the to home, congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake. I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its feel of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? Here again, stretch out your right hand. The earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. Talking about, uh, you know, Zion. He, you know, he ain't uh, led them there yet, too. He's heading towards Sinai. The peoples have heard. They tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. And what they're talking about here is, remember, they wandered for 40 years, but then they come up into Jericho. You know, Rahab, when they first encountered her, you know, she said, oh, my people have been in dread for 40 years. We heard what happened to, to Pharaoh and, and the plagues in the, in the Red Sea. We, we've been in dread. We, we, we are in fear of your, of your God. Mm-hmm. You know, they knew what was coming. Verse 15. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone. To your people, O Lord, pass by. To the people pass by whom you have purchased. You will bring them in and plant them on your own mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. For when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground and in the midst of the sea. Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took the tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Miriam sang to them. And here's one thing I want to draw attention to. You know, Miriam, a woman, described here as a prophetess. So obviously, women had a role. You know, there's, you know, I know a lot of people want to, you know, say women, you know, are to be silent. They can't be teachers. That's not what our Bible say. There's a few verses in there that has references. But when you look back at the oldest scriptures... The oldest manuscripts you find, those verses are not in there. Oh. That's mankind and scribes changing God's word to manipulate it to what they want. Look at Esther. Look at Ruth. I mean, there's God has me and, and Mary. Mary, well, Mary. Look at Mary Magdalene. Mary, uh, uh, um, there's Deborah, one of the judges. I mean, there's just so many that played such a big historical Women role. Women have a role to play in God's kingdom. Don't let nobody tell you otherwise. 
that 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 could be a mic drop right there. Yes. But uh, Miriam sang to them, "Sing to the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider He has thrown into the sea." Now, you remember when I said there's a lot of symbolism coming up in the last episode? You know, we was talking about the Deuteronomy 32 worldview and how there's something coming up that's got a lot of symbolism that talks about, that basically shows that uh, the Tower of Babel, where it says that not only the tongues were divided, but mankind was divided amongst the sons of God. It goes along with the Psalms 82 judgment. They are ruling unjustly, so they will be judged. It lists 70 nations. You know, we talked about the number 70 means all, totality. There's some symbolism coming up here. If you ain't looking for it, you're going to miss it. That God is signaling to his people that uh, he's going to call his people back. And uh, it's going to be a return to Eden in perfection in the end. The new heaven and new earth is what, what the end goal is here. So it says here in verse 22, then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days into the wilderness and found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water of Marah because it was bitter. Therefore it was named Marah. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And what about these ungrateful people? I was just going to, that's part it's like blows me all away. the things that you've seen, you don't think God's going to take care of you. Walk through the Red Sea and then you're like, nope, I'm going to die of thirst. You, you just, no faith, no trust. I think a big part of that, and we talked about that a little bit before, is not only did they see amazing things from not just God, but at the same time, we're blessed to have the Holy Spirit in us where they did not at that time. They don't have God living inside them. And I think that's a gift we have that most people take for granted. I take for granted. I know I do. But it's, I think that's a big part of that. Man, that drives me nuts. Anyway, finish this because yeah. it's a good, it's an excellent point what you're yeah. going through right here. But verse 25, and he cried to the Lord and the Lord showed him a log and he threw it into the water and the water became sweet. There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule. And there he tested them saying, if you will diligently listen to the voice of your Lord, your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the disease on you that I have put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord your healer. And here it is, verse 27. Then they came to Elim, which in Hebrew is a cognate of Elohim. It means God or gods. It can be plural. So context is key. So they came to God or gods where they were 12 springs of water. There was 12 tribes of Israel, right? And that was God's allotted portion at Deuteronomy 32. Mm-hmm. And 70 palm trees. And they were encamped there by the water. So they came to the gods or the place of the gods. Eden. Now I'm not saying this is physically Eden. I'm just saying symbolically. Mm -hmm. Where there were 
12 springs of water, 12 tribes of Israel, and then 70 Complete. palm trees, yeah. the 70 nations. So to me, I mean, this is beautiful symbolism saying that, hey, you keep, he said, you keep my statutes, you do this, no, 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 no. I'm going to take care of you. I'll be your healer. And then they came to the place of the gods, perfection, Eden, where the 12 springs, which is God's people, were there. And the 70 palm trees, the 70 nations. And they encamped there by the water. That's nuts. That's nuts. Yeah. I'm going to go back to to the part where you said and I'm, I'm wondering and this is just me looking at this because honestly I haven't looked into it like you have in this part and but I'm wondering that the symbolism up here if we look at when they got to Mara three days again yeah till they got there water's not good uh, who's the who's the water of life right Jesus you put wood like a wood cross throw it in the water all of a sudden the water's sweet yeah. Three days. It was terrible. After three days, all of a sudden, it was good. It was good. I just I feel like, and, and that may not be the exact symbolism there, but it just to me it seems see, like. See, I didn't see it till you said it. I mean, but it makes sense. It does. Everything that God does has a purpose, and we see that, and you see that over and over again through all this text that we see. He's speaking, and that's a big part of why I think when we read the Bible and we read the Old Testament. That's where God's talking to us. It's not just these things happen to them, yes, and, and, and we didn't live in those times, but God is speaking to us through all these amazing things that he did, showing us, and it's up to us to keep digging into these things. It's up to us to keep looking into them, and that's God wants you to seek, to read his word, to, to look for that knowledge. He wants you to do that. And when, when we do that, look what happens. Yeah. D these things just start falling out. You start seeing things in a whole new light. You didn't understand before, but God works in amazing ways. And it's all these, you know, reassuring promises. Yes. You know? Yeah. Doing every week that we do this, I, I feel like I'm closer and closer to God. He just, he gave me another, you know, just I, I don't it just it just shows me so much more and, and and just strengthens that faith even more amen but well guys uh, we appreciate you tuning in and uh if you are not a member of the facebook community you are missing out yes this is a group that we get together and we talk about things and uh we want this to be a place where we all get together and, and talk about things ask questions and and uh draw closer to god you and, know. and if you are a member be posting put stuff up there you want to yeah, hear new shy. show ideas you want to comment on something we said listen we don't know all the answers if you've dug into something and on something we've already done or something that we're looking into and you find something we haven't touched on just put it out there because i'm learning this stuff as we go like I, i've read a lot of the bible i and, I, and I've, I've read a lot of different um, different sources, different things that help complement the Bible, but I'm learning as we go. This isn't, I'm not a scholar. Oh, yeah. I, I'm, this stuff to me is just so interesting. And when we started doing this, I said, Justin, 
I said, people need to hear this. There's just so much content there and it blows me away every time. And I'm like, it's not fair to keep this to ourselves. No, it's just not. There's every time we look into something, we find something amazing, something new. So I just think it's help us out, get on there, show us something we haven't seen, bring it up, show us some scripture that, and, and, and your interpretation that just blows us away. I, I want to see it. Yeah. Cause that's what we want. This is uh this is y'all show, you know, it's for you. So let's get on our, uh, let's dig, let's, let's expose each other to things we haven't seen, you know, uh, study, study this show thyself approved. You know, we're here to, to grow in God and, and find these nuggets together. And, and when you find those nuggets, what do you want to do? You want to show everybody, show us your nuggets. Keep digging. We thank you for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. Questions, comments, or future episode ideas? We'd love to hear from you at thedig423 at gmail.com. If you enjoy our content, don't forget to share, subscribe, and check out our Facebook group at The Dig Podcast. Remember, you can't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. You gotta dig.